the Bible. From America's colonial period to her rise to become the richest, most powerful nation in history, the ideas and values that guide us, protect us, and hold our society together flow from the pages of this book of books. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Our founding documents affirm and build on the scriptural concepts of God-given, not state-granted rights, and of liberty under law. The biblical worldview shaped our work ethic, made education a priority, and birthed the notion of finite, limited government under divine authority. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The pilgrims, the Puritans, the founding fathers and American leaders throughout our history have emphasized the Bible's importance to America. The first and almost the only book worthy of universal attention is the Bible. John Quincy Adams. But for the book, we cannot know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it. Abraham Lincoln. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Calvin Coolidge. The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible, a 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the word. Soapy Dollar. And here we are. Thanking you, as always, as we begin each evening's program. Thanking you for being along with us, for keeping this appointment with us each and every evening as we make our way through the book of books, through the Bible. We are in the epistles of Paul, the letters that he wrote back to the churches that he had visited during his three or four missionary journeys recorded in the book of the Acts, the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit, however you look at that. We've read the book of Romans, the first letter of Paul to the church in Rome that he had never visited. He had never been there. And then First uh, and Second Corinthians, there were four letters in all. We have two of them reserved in our New Testament, those letters to the church in Corinth, that city there in Greece. Then we read Galatians, which is the book of Romans light. Galatia is not a city, but a region of Greece. This was to be read aloud to the churches in that region. And now we started the book of Ephesians last night. I'll catch you up on where we are in the book of Ephesians with its major theme on the body, the beauty, the power, the plan of God for the body of Christ, the people of God together, our unity and how we should relate to one another. Ephesians is a remarkable book because Paul has a long loving history with the people of Ephesus. He spent much time there, and then we'll go into the book of Philippians tonight. I'll tell you more in just a moment. Right now, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment. We read the second half now of chapter 23 of the Proverbs on the Bible Live. Proverbs 23, 17 through 35. Don't envy sinners, but always continue to fear the Lord, for surely you have a future ahead of you. Your hope will not be disappointed. My child, listen and be wise. Keep your heart on the right course. Do not carouse with drunkards and gluttons, for they are on their way to poverty. Too much sleep clothes a person with rags. Listen to your father who gave you life, and don't despise your mother's experience when she is old. 
Get the truth and don't ever sell it. Also get wisdom, discipline, and discernment. The father of godly children has cause for joy. What a pleasure it is to have wise children. So give your parents joy. May she who gave you birth be happy. O my son, give me your heart. May your eyes delight in my ways of wisdom. A prostitute is a deep pit. An adulterous woman is treacherous. She hides and waits like a robber, looking for another victim who will be unfaithful to his wife. Who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who is always fighting? Who is always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? It is the one who spends long hours in the taverns, trying out new drinks. Don't let the sparkle and smooth taste of wine deceive you, for in the end it bites like a poisonous serpent. It stings like a viper. You will see hallucinations and you will say crazy things. You will stagger like a sailor tossed at sea, clinging to a swaying mast. And you will say, they hit me, but I didn't feel it. I didn't even know it when they beat me up. When will I wake up so I can have another drink? End of reading, Proverbs 23, 17 through 35. My Jesus, my You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. All of my day, I want to pray the wonders of your mind. Well, let's move over into the New Testament now. We've just finished our reading from the book of Proverbs. Very practical reading, right? They're very down to earth, very straightforward. The dangers, the pitfalls. When we walk in the world, we walk given to strong drink or to immorality and sexuality, how dangerous and how destructive that lifestyle can be. Doesn't hold back any punches there in the book of Proverbs. Right now, though, to the book of Ephesians. Just as Galatians is a book about liberty, about freedom in the Lord. Now, Ephesians has a theme of the body, the people of God. Remember that Ephesus was one of the most prominent churches of the first century. It was established in A.D. 53, just a few years after the life and ministry of Jesus, on Paul's homeward journey from his first missionary journey, going back to Jerusalem. But then he returned a year later on a third missionary trip, and he stayed in Ephesus for three years, preaching and teaching there in the city. So he has a long history. Timothy is a pastor there, and while he's a prisoner in Rome, Tychicus comes and visits him on behalf of the congregation. So this is a love letter to the people of Ephesus, talking about the unity, the beauty of the body of Christ, and how powerful they can be as a people of God. And then, of course, he's going to give them some guidelines, instructions about their marital relationships and family relationships. Ephesians 4.1 through Philippians 2.11. Ephesians 4. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Always keep yourselves united in the Holy Spirit and bind yourselves together with peace. We are all one body. We have the same Spirit, and we have all been called to the same glorious future. There is only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And there is only one God and Father who is over us all and in us all and living through us all. 
However, He has given each one of us a special gift according to the generosity of Christ. That is why the Scriptures say, When He ascended to the heights, He led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to His people. Notice that it says He ascended. This means that Christ first came down to the lowly world in which we live. The same one who came down is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that his rule might fill the entire universe. He is the one who gave these gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. Then we will no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or because someone has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. Instead, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. With the Lord's authority, let me say this, live no longer as the ungodly do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their closed minds are full of darkness. They are far away from the life of God because they have shut their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They don't care anymore about right and wrong, and they have given themselves over to immoral ways. Their lives are filled with all kinds of impurity and greed, but that isn't what you were taught when you learned about Christ. Since you have heard all about Him and have learned the truth that is in Jesus, Throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. You must display a new nature because you are a new person, created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. So put away all falsehood and tell your neighbor the truth, because we belong to each other. And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, stop stealing. Begin using your hands for honest work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He is the one who has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Ephesians 5. Follow God's example in everything you do because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love for others, following the example of Christ who loved you and gave Himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. And God was pleased because that sacrifice was like sweet perfume to Him. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. I've seen stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. 
These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is really an idolater who worships the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the terrible anger of God comes upon all those who disobey Him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For though your hearts were once full of darkness, now you are full of light from the Lord, and your behavior should show it. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, rebuke and expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But when the light shines on them, it becomes clear how evil these things are. And where your light shines, it will expose their evil deeds. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper! Rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Then you will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. And you will always give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You wives will submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of his body, the church. He gave his life to be her Savior. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives must submit to your husbands in everything. And you husbands must love your wives with the same love Christ showed the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by baptism and God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man is actually loving himself when he loves his wife. No one hates his own body but lovingly cares for it, just as Christ cares for his body, which is the church. And we are his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first of the Ten Commandments that ends with a promise, and this is the promise. If you honor your father and mother, you will live a long life, full of blessing. And now a word to you fathers. Don't make your children angry by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction approved by the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Work hard, but not just to please your masters when they are watching. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. And in the same way, you masters must treat your slaves right. 
don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. A final word, be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil, so that after the battle you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the sturdy belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In every battle you will need faith as your shield, to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. Put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. And pray for me, too. Ask God to give me the right words as I boldly explain God's secret plan that the good news is for the Gentiles, too. I am in chains now for preaching this message as God's ambassador, but pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Tychicus, a much-loved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work, will tell you all about how I am getting along. I am sending him to you for just this purpose. He will let you know how we are, and he will encourage you. May God give you peace, dear brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God's grace be upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The Book of Philippians. Philippians 1. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. It is written to all of God's people in Philippi who believe in Christ Jesus and to the elders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. I always pray for you and I make my requests with a heart full of joy. Because you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am sure that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. It is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a very special place in my heart. We have shared together the blessings of God, both when I was in prison and when I was out, defending the truth and telling others the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love for each other will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in your knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, those good things that are produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. And I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including all the soldiers in the palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, many of the Christians here have gained confidence and become more bold in telling others about Christ. Some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know the Lord brought me here to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. 
They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But whether or not their motives are pure, the fact remains that the message about Christ is being preached. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me, and as the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will all turn out for my deliverance. For I live in eager expectation and hope that I will never do anything that causes me shame, but that I will always be bold for Christ, as I have been in the past, and that my life will always honor Christ, whether I live or I die. For to me, living is for Christ, and dying is even better. Yet if I live, that means fruitful service for Christ. I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between these two desires. Sometimes I want to live, and sometimes I long to go and be with Christ. That would be far better for me, but it is better for you that I live. I am convinced of this, so I will continue with you so that you will grow and experience the joy of your faith. Then when I return to you, you will have even more reason to boast about what Christ Jesus has done for me. But whatever happens to me, you must live in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ, as citizens of heaven. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing side by side, fighting together for the good news. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Don't be intimidated by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God Himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for Him. We are in this fight together. You have seen me suffer for him in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of this great struggle. Philippians 2 Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and sympathetic? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one heart and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others, too, and what they are doing. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. Because of this, God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. End of reading Ephesians 4.1 through Philippians 2.11. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Forever I'll stand. Hard enough to sing along one of these great songs of praise. Two great, great books, Ephesians and Philippians. Highly relational books. 
Paul spent, as I said, three years preaching there in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus was such an influential church in the first century. The Apostle John was one of the leading pastors of the church in Ephesus. Timothy, of course, was there as well. We see this wonderful presentation about being the people of God. Moving out from under the stress and the tension between the Judaizers and the Gentile believers, although it's still definitely a factor, it doesn't seem to be so central. He had spent more time with them. Perhaps they had straightened out this particular area and they were more at peace. He talks about this wonderful idea that we don't have a priesthood as such because each and every one of us, all of us, we are a people of priests representing God to men and women around us as we share our faith, as we are witnesses to the gospel through our life and through our words, and then representing people to God as we intercede for them in prayer and in service to our fellow men. Paul breaks into spontaneous praise and worship sometimes as he talks to the men and women of Ephesus. Finally, this command, an imperative verb there in Ephesians 5.18, be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. We've already been introduced to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, a picture of God's commitment to us. The moment you received Christ as Savior, the Spirit of God has come in a special, personal, committed sense to escort you to glory, to make sure you get there. He will not leave you behind on the battlefield. He is going to escort you faithfully, unfailingly to glory. He will not fail. You belong to God now, and the Holy Spirit is here to make good on that possession. So he is going to get you there. That's the indwelling. The filling of the Spirit is your response to that wonderful truth. Are you going to trust the working of the Holy Spirit? Are you going to trust in his power to transform your life, to sanctify, to make you holy, to conform you to the image of Jesus in your character and in to empower your witness? I got so carried away there talking to you about the book of Ephesians. There's so much more that can be said about any one of these. It's so interesting to see them in light of the prior relationship Paul had with these different congregations. Now, you remember, I think, the church in Philippi. Remember, we read about it in Acts 16. Paul is in jail there, and the jailer becomes, I guess, the first convert there, uh, maybe uh, Lydia uh, there in Philippi. But this is a church that Paul is very close to, highly Gentile. There's not a single quote of Old Testament scriptures here in the book of Philippians all for the Gentile believers. They had sent him a gift. He was imprisoned in Rome. And this is his love letter back to them with its wonderful theme of joy. 22 times the word joy or joyful is found in the book. See you next time. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Kindle House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now, don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.